How's it going, everybody? I'm Jeff Slakey, and I'm here at the PUD3 offices talking with the PUD3 new public information officer, Sheila Corson. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How it's, are you? It's great to talk with you. And uh, we've talked a little bit uh, since you've joined here, PUD3. Right. But this is our first time on tape uh, and a good opportunity for the listeners to get to know you and get a chance to kind of hear about what PUD3 is working on here as we move into the fall. So first off, tell me about yourself. So I am uh, not quite three months into the job at yeah. this point. Um, I'm not only new to the job, I'm new to Mason County, which is exciting for me. I'm born and raised Okanagan County over on the other side of the state. Yeah. <laughs> the other side we don't talk about. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just came over here to the west side uh, and moved my family over. They had their first week at school. My kids did. Uh, I've got a seventh grader and a fifth grader. Uh, and just trying to get to know the area and all the people and the events. And it's been really exciting and interesting to learn about all of this. So the background that you have, is it in communications or is it in public power or? Well, both. So I actually came from a different PUD <laughs> to this PUD. So almost the exact same, well, at least the exact same type of position. Uh, and then before that, I was actually in journalism. So I was a newspaper reporter, photographer, editor, all of those sorts of things, uh, and actually covered the PUD during that time. Oh. So I've got a lot of experience uh, from both, perspe so, both yeah. perspectives. So now uh, when the media is coming at you with questions, you know how to avoid them. Because you've done it both ways, right? I'm not sure avoid is, is that, quite the word I would use. Well, that's how I would hear it from other folks. Not necessarily... <laughs> here in prior <laughs> positions, but that's kind of what's going on. Very fun. That's the beauty of public power, though, is that it's all public information, it which is. is why they have a public information officer. So PUD3 uh, has been uh, longstanding in the community right. as you're learning and kind of understanding the history of Mason County PUD3. And now's a great time for us to kind of connect and talk because there's so much the PUD does in the fall, mm -hmm. moving into these winter months here in our community. We've got the shuck and share, right. and we've got the uh, project share, and there's some other new uh, grants that you are familiar with that you want to talk with us about. Mm -hmm. But let's start with some of the things that are moving as we get uh, through September and into October. The shuck and share is coming up as part yes. of Oyster Fest. Yeah, and I'm really excited because this will be my first Oyster Fest. I and my in-laws are even coming over to come join in the festivities. Oh my gosh, you're gonna have to. Are you a big <laughs> seafood oyster person? My okay, so my in-laws every Christmas it was oyster stew or oyster bisque. I don't know why that was a Christmas Eve tradition, but it was. And now they're like, wait a minute, we can have this every <laughs> we day. We can have this fresh. Every day. So, yeah, they're really excited about it. Um, but, yeah, they're, so they're coming over, and it'll be my first shuck and share also. Uh, and I uh, looked at the photos, um, you know, but I'm excited to actually get down there and see the event. And the great thing is this is uh, not only just a fun event for our community, but it, it does tie into our project share which is neighbors helping neighbors with their electric bills. So, some people already in the community might round up or contribute in other ways to Project Share through their bills. And this just helps fund uh, these, I guess they're sort of like grants themselves to families who maybe otherwise wouldn't be able to cover those electric bill expenses. So you can get information on that on the PUD's website. Oh, absolutely. PUD3.org. But who, who are some of the main beneficiaries when it comes to this? As we know, a lot of, like you just mentioned, you already can do... 
uh, roundups mm-hmm. on your monthly bills. And this is another great way to get out and get active in the community. That's and right. a lot of times, folks, they really want to give give money uh, or they say, well, we want to help support this, but they want to have it tied around something. Mm-hmm. And this 5K is perfect. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've seen some really cool socks around uh, uh-huh. <laughs> for those who register. Uh, and then, of course, there's the great uh, medals or whatever you can get to. So there's prizes for, for coming in and, and ways for us to say thank you. But the, it ties all in together um, with a couple of programs. And what's interesting right now with Project Share, um, those families were helping a lot of the time po- people go to the community action councils or, or cap agencies as they may be called uh, and they kind of get screened and find out their eligibility, get open for these other programs like LIHEAP is the acronym. Let me think if I can get this right. Low income uh, home energy assistance program. Okay. I think that's it. <laughs> it sounds right. <laughs> it sounds right. We're going to go with it. Yeah. Uh, but those who usually sign up for LIHEAP would also find out through community action whether or not they're eligible for Project Share. Uh, we've actually decided to take Project Share in house starting in October. So we're doing things a little bit differently. So if they want to qualify for Project Share, they can fill out an application here at PUD3. And then we also, as you kind of briefly mentioned, have a low-income grant program that is Mm -hmm. a separate thing. Uh, There's slightly different eligibility and ways that it's figured. Uh, Most people will probably qualify for both. Um, Some might only qualify for one, but you can find out right here in-house PUD3. When it comes to these types of assistance, Mm -hmm. how many if you have a number or not, how many families do you think are out there that are eligible for assistance, but they're not, they've never tried to apply or they just didn't think they were eligible? I don't know the the numbers. The metrics are always changing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one of the things is when you qualify, uh, Things might change in six months and hopefully for the better. Or you hit a rough patch, something happens, and six months from now, you do qualify when you didn't before, right? right? So people are, are always, we always revamp all of our applications every year just to catch that. If people are now in that threshold who weren't before, um, and then make sure that we try to get the message out. So we do things like messages on your bills or through smart hub app if you don't have it right. you should get it yeah um we try to get out there other outreach you're going to see coming out here pretty soon just because of the changes coming up as well but you know as we're looking towards winter that's one of the things we know is there's families out there who maybe are getting the help they need but maybe aren't aware of all the options there are for for them uh, and this, these programs exist for them to help them through whatever is going on in their, their circumstances right now. Um, and so we're going to be trying a lot more. We're going to um, be hopefully on the radio a bit more. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, and in the newspapers and uh, in more of our newsletter coming out in October, you'll see that too. So that should get to everybody who gets a bill from us. So we'll begin the word out. Okay, very nice. And then... This all moves into kind of the, like you said, neighbors helping neighbors, yes. the public power mantras and things like that, mm-hmm. and how how public power is different yes. than um, privatized power that you see in other counties. And right. talk to me a little bit about that 
here in Mason and then what you knew from your previous position. Yeah, that's one of the great things about public power is that we kind of all hang out together. Yeah. <laughs> so I met the people at Mason when I was at Okanagan uh, because we chat and we share notes and we say, what's working for you? What might work for us? And we're all basically, all PUDs are basically governed by the same set of state laws, right? And it's very different than a private utility. And it's a little bit different than a cooperative, but a cooperative is also public power. And then you've got your uh, city-based, your municipal, it's uh-huh. a fun word, it municipal, municipal. Uh, utilities who might pre- might provide the electricity, like Seattle City Light is okay. one of them, right. uh, Tacoma public utilities. Uh, But we all are in the same sense, we're public power in that we're not for profit. So everything we do and the rates we charge are based on actual costs, not based on, you know, making sure that we all get as many bonuses as we can so Uh we can get that third yacht. You know, that's none of that happening here. (laughs) We are not for profit. We are cost-based, right? So there's that. That's a huge part, knowing that. So if you compare the rates uh, from almost any public power to almost any private utility, you're going to see we're significantly lower. And nationwide, I believe it's on average, nationwide is thirteen cents a kilowatt hour. On average, statewide, it's around nine cents, and we're kind of right under there, right around there. Um, but if it's private, it's at least half again that. It's yeah. more like twenty cents nationally and thirteen, fourteen cents in the state of Washington. So that's one of the big things, and that's a big thing for any public power community to know is that we're doing all we can to keep your rates low. But then the other beautiful thing is we're not answering to investors or some guys who live somewhere in the world. (laughs) We are owned by our community and we are locally controlled and locally owned. And that's why we elect all of our commissioners, right? So we have three of those and just about every PUD has three. I think there's one or two that has five, Uh, but those are elected and they're there to make sure that the public's voice is heard and that they can share messages from us to you and from you to us. Uh, so they're the ones who ultimately decide on budget and other big issues like that. So we answer to the public. We answer to our community, not a group of investors who may or may not care about the community. Wait, when I talk about elections in, in kind of general, yeah, those are the ones that I try to remind folks that are happening. You know, Sure. Everybody kind of looks at the presidential, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff way up top. But when you get down to it, the the city council, yeah. the port people, the PUD commissioners, they're the ones that affect your pocketbook sure. a lot more than the president can, really, <laughs> I suppose. And they're yeah. making these decisions, and they're the ones you see at the grocery store. Yeah, for sure. They're the ones who have direct access and direct influence over a lot of the things that happen in your community, for sure. Yeah. What are some other things PUD is getting ready for here as we move into the fall? Do the crews go out and monitor or recheck on <laughs> lines, or is there a rotating schedule? Oh, Have you been is, going out there and oh, doing things? You know, I could look at a poll and not know for sure what was <laughs> happening. Uh, I can I can I can identify quite a few things. Sure. Uh, but you know, to be able to say, oh yeah, that one's due. Yeah. <laughs> but we have just uh, just about wrapped up what we call the pit program, which is poll inspection, testing, and treatment. Uh, so we do inspect about 3,000 polls every year or so. Uh, we got a lot more than 3,000 out sure. there. There's there's quite a lot. Um, uh, so we've just kind of wrapped up that sort of thing. So there's always that ongoing maintenance, checking things out. 
making sure that if it needs to be swapped, it's on the list to be swapped. Uh, it, it's a lot to keep up with yeah. um, when you're talking about a system the size of Mason 3s. Uh, but they have wrapped up some other big projects also because a lot of the projects you don't really see. You might see the trucks on the side of the road doing something, yeah. <laughs> but it's not always clear what they're doing. So if you've been along uh, Shelton Springs and that area, the, that road, uh, we've been upgrading quite a lot of the uh, the wires themselves, basically, to allow for more power to travel through. So increasing capacity. And that's directly headed towards the Port of Shelton type of property. So okay. that as they look at expansion and adding some businesses in there, it's ready for them, right? So there's a lot of forward-looking things like that happening on our system. One of the big projects actually was up at Union River, uh, the substation there. We just modernized the whole thing. So we were looking actually um, at some contractors and decided that our guys could do it the best. And they did an amazing job just going in there and all those switches and buttons and levers uh-huh. and everything that people never see. Uh, they switched out everything in that substation. So it is way more tapped into our communication devices and everything like that. So we uh, have a better feel on what's going on. And right now they're down at the Dayton substation doing the very same thing. Um, and hoping to finish that up, I think, in October sometime. So before outage season hits in earnest. What When you were at your uh, prior place on the other side, what was kind of, what was the downtime? How much downtime <laughs> do you think was there? So winter's never downtime for anybody, I mean, I, I mean, so um, I guess my question is, so one thing I've noticed over the oh, years. Oh, outage. Outage okay. time. Amount of outage yes. time, I guess. Oh, gosh. If I could recite the numbers for you. Um, I think w- the challenge when you're in rural utilities is not just how long it takes to fix the thing, but how long it takes to get to the thing to oh, fix. Oh, sure, sure. Right? Yeah. So most of the time, it always depended on where exactly the problem was. So if it's in the heart of Shelton downtown, our crews are there in it's hardly three minutes you know but if it's out somewhere in the middle of the tahuya peninsula same as up in okanagan it'd be up enius valley or tunk mountain or something like that Uh right same idea if it takes them a while and if they have to ride snowmobiles up that was the thing oh my god if they have to break out the snowmobiles it's gonna be a longer outage Uh folks um, and I don't think maybe snowmobiles is quite the thing here, but still the heavier equipment to get places, whether they've got a bucket truck that can actually make it or if they have to hike it, those are huge considerations. So I would say it's probably pretty similar in the amount of time because I'm, one of the other awesome thing about public power is we're 24-7, 365. Yeah. Like we don't be like, ah, there's only five people out. Forget it. You know, we're, we're there. We're, we're showing up, you know, every time. So I think it'll be interesting for me to see because I have that same kind of question as, do they take longer here? Are they faster here? <laughs> Is it harder to reach things here? Is one, it easier? One thing, well, with the amount of water here, yes. that's, a, that's, a, that's a challenge for sure. Yes. One thing I'll tell you is that over the years, and when we were in our offices downtown Shelton and we had a generator mm. and the power would go out or whatever and we'd have to we'd go out and turn on the generator and it would kick on for a while uh but over the last five seven years a couple years before covid really for yeah. sure the amount of down uh, outage time sure. zero 
Yeah. Because of all that work on those substations that you were talking about and the kind of the perimeter that Mm -hmm. was built around the city, at least, it seems that PUD has got it figured out there. It's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's true of every PUD. I know it was of Okanagan. I know it is here where we're always looking at, okay, where is the biggest problem area? What's causing the problem? What's a possible solution? So is it upgrading that line? Is it, oh yeah, the poles are getting old. Is it, there's way too many trees. We got to do more tree trimming. Um, Maybe it's just a matter of finding a redundant route, you know? Uh, that was a big one for Okanagan was finding those backup routes so you could get at least a majority of people back in power pretty quickly. Um, because sometimes if you're out at the end of the line and it's a long line, yeah. It, like, hey, don't forget about me. Right. It's, it's kind of hard because we don't have a way to switch you back on while we do repairs somewhere else. But um, that, that's always the goal is trying to figure out, okay, what's the main source? Where are the main problem areas? And what can we do to make this better? And that's something we're always doing with substations um, and with other small projects, underground rebuilds. There's a lot of those <laughs> on the list because we've got a lot of underground lines yeah. around here too. But those get old too. <laughs> Have you um, enjoyed yourself over the last three months here? Have you oh, done yeah. anything fun? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh it's it's been strange because this last week was the first time I didn't go to our local county fair back in Okanagan. Oh, so yeah. it was weird. I felt the entire weekend like there was something I was missing. <laughs> uh, but the weekend before that, uh, headed to the beach and then spent some time up in Hoodsport. And I've spent some time at Belfair in the state park there. Uh, I, I actually got to stay with some folks out in Kamilchi. Okay. Uh, the first few weeks we were here before we were able to move into our house. Um We've got on just a couple of hiking tours. I went up to High Steel Bridge. Yeah, what'd you think? Uh, you know, I love heights. And even that was like, oh, wow. Yeah, this we're up here. doesn't seem safe. We're up here. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been trying to catch a few of the areas and just go for a drive and check things out and, and see the, the territory. It's been interesting. And it's definitely very different. I'm used to much drier and much hotter yeah. conditions even than what we've had here. And... You know, when it was in the mid-90s here, it was the mid-hundreds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not mid-hundreds, but you know what I mean, like yeah, 105 yeah. as opposed to 90 or something over there. So, Well, you're here for a great time. I mean, it's always great here, but as we move into the fall and winter, mm-hmm. we got Oyster Fest, of course, yes. with the shuck and share right around there, and then uh, Christmas Town and PUD I'm really excited about the lights that. and all that good stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome. That's nice talking with you. It was good to talk with you, too, Jeff. We're going to keep coming back here and checking in on things uh, with PUD, of course. Love having them as partners out there. And PUD3.org is the website. You mm-hmm. can find out more information on the Shuck and Share and Project Share and different ways. You know, if you think maybe, even if you're not sure, you know, you go out there, fill out an application, mm-hmm. and, and maybe you'll qualify for some assistance. And every little bit helps. Yeah, absolutely. So very cool. Nice to talk with you. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming by.